Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Lee Kedges. Thanks once again for listening to us. Don't forget to subscribe as well to us via iTunes and Spotify. Joining me to look over the action in the National League is Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And we have also got Rob Worrell with us. Hello, Rob. Hello, Rob. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Yeah, no, that's you, Rob. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Luke. Hello, Chris. Try, uh, keep, we're keeping, we're keeping that. that in. No, we're keeping that in. That's <laughs> funny. Real. So, in the National League, Rob, last week, we mentioned Maidenhead, didn't we? We mentioned about their shocking start. They had two tough fixtures coming up this week at Wrexham and Notts County, and it looked bleak. But then you mentioned that Alan Devonshire always pulls something out of the bag, and six <laughs> points later, what was all the fuss about? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But... Um, but also in a strange sort of way, almost predictable. You wouldn't have predicted that them to win either match, to be fair, Let, let's be honest. But what I'm saying is somehow or other, after long periods, long runs where they don't get results, where they get beaten, they don't win in several, they they stick back to back to wins together. But if you were going to look at Maidenhead's fixtures and say, where might they actually get two consecutive wins? I don't think you'd have picked Wrexham away and not County away. Um, a phenomenal effort from them. They had to come from behind twice as well. And um, friend of the podcast, Danilo Orsi Dodomo, got the winner, I see. Yeah, and we caught up with him earlier on before we started the podcast to talk about his season so far and getting his first goal in the National League. So obviously, Dan, uh, you've come a long way in two years. You were at Hungerford, then straight on to Hampton, now on to Maidenhead. Just tell us how it all how it's all happened so fast, really. Yeah, obviously, I'd played at Hungerford and then, then made the move up to uh, Hampton and now obviously um, being at Maidenhead over the summer I got a um, I spoke to Dev and and Lee Lee Rang my agent Bert Laurent who's, who was great with it all and he got the move done really quickly and it was pretty much one or two days later I was at the um, at the club signing the paperwork so really it was big big thanks to Bert and big thanks to Lee for getting it all done really quickly have you noticed much of a difference in the step-up since you've gone up? I know, obviously, you got your first goal against Notts County, but what's the big differences that you've noticed? Yeah, I think with all the clubs, obviously, making a, the jump from part-time to almost full-time football, everyone's a lot fitter, a lot sharper, and um, the games, the game in general is a lot quicker. Um, I feel like I've started to find my feet now, obviously. The more games you play, obviously, you find your feet quicker. And... Um, yeah, I'm just looking looking forward to the, see what the rest of the season's got got to hold. Obviously, we played Rex on Monday on BT, which was a first game on TV, so that was a great experience. And then, obviously, yesterday to go down to Meadow Meadow Lane and and to score the winner against Notts County was another thing that I can say I've done and a great day out and great to be a part of. Yeah, I saw a few of your mates on Instagram taking the mick out of you, saying you'd added a haircut and. I noticed against Wrexham as well. I, I did notice at the end, it did make me chuckle because obviously you're under the cosh and you're having to run on your own and they're all taking a mix saying, were you tired? Because I think it was right at the end, you got brought down and you got up and I could just see you blowing and it was quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was absolutely shattered. Um, we were looking at the stats on the way down to the game yesterday. I think they said I've done eight, eight kilometres in 45 minutes, which was, uh, I think that's a record for me. But yeah, do you know what? At the end there, it was uh, the fact we were 1-0 up. Three points were basically in the bag. I think that's what pushed me on to keep going. And uh, thankfully, thankfully, we held on and got, got the first three points of the season, which was the key thing. Yeah, you needed that, didn't you? Because you'd had a slow start to the season and everyone would have expected you probably to go to Wrexham and, and get beaten and then the same at Notts County. So to, to get two wins is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think one thing that I learned was, uh, well, not that I learned, but what was said was, Anyone can beat anyone in this league. It's it's going to be a long season. It's going to be ups and downs, lots of surprises. And you can definitely see that within the first couple of weeks this happened. Um, going to Wrexham away and going into Notts County in the same week and coming away with six points is, is something we can only have dreamed about. But I think the hard work and the uh, the will to, to run to the end and keep pushing as a team was what, what got us over the line in the end. Yeah, just tell us about your first goal at Notts County. Obviously, it was a vital one because you'd, 
you'd had to come from behind twice, didn't you? And then uh, your goal was ultimately the winner. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a funny game because I kind of thought thought that we were going to create another chance. When we when we got back to two two, I thought there's going to be another chance here, whether it falls to me or someone else. But it's definitely going to be one more. And then um, Sparks, he's obviously done fantastic to get the flick over the top of the top of the two centre halves, and I've kind of seen him go do it. So I've made the run forward, and um, once I've taken the touch, I've had Josh Coley coming up behind me, just screaming in my ear, "Relax, relax, you've got time." And I was thinking, mate, that's the last thing I want to be hearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you and you in the back of my head screaming, but yeah, I saw, just waited for the keeper to make his move and put it put it in the other corner. So, yeah, the first goal in the National League, which was, which was a big thing, but more importantly, another another three points and a big three points to wait, not counting. At least you didn't say you shut your eyes and just hit it like some do. Some go, oh, yeah. shut, close my eyes and hit it. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Just tell us what um, what Dev's like. He comes across as kind of a hard taskmaster. Is, is he like that? Is he old school or is he quite uh, modern in his ways? Yeah, I think he's got a mix, a mix of both. He, he's definitely got a bit of old school about him still, but obviously, like most managers nowadays, they're starting to adapt, starting to change and stuff. And I guess you've got to keep keep adapting with the game and to stay current and to keep keep doing as well as he's done. Obviously, keeping Maidenhead in the National League last year and when he got him promoted as well, it's a fantastic achievement. But you definitely see a lighter side of him. He's, he is funny, I'll give him that. Um, he does get the boys laughing and... And he's got a real togetherness um, together in the team now, which is obviously, I think, played a big part in the two wins this week. Does he ever take that flat cap off as well? <laughs> I don't know. I can say he's got a couple of caps. He's got a couple of caps. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a few, so he, he mixes between them all. But yeah, I'll be honest, I like him. I like the flat cap look. Uh, in terms of, of Maidenhead, then, obviously, everyone's tipping you to struggle. I mean, not... I think Maidenhead have kind of gone up a bit in terms of they've gone to the hybrid method this year. So do they? Do you feel that obviously mid table is more of an aim this year than just trying to survive? Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's a. Um, I definitely don't think it was ever a matter of well in the changing rooms ever just about surviving. Um, from day one, it was never mentioned, and to this even after the first three games where we picked up no points, it was never mentioned. It was. Um, it's a long season, as you know, lots of games, lots of ups and downs, anything can happen. And obviously you look at Barrow last year, who would have said they would be the ones to get promoted automatically, winners. And then who would have said Harrogate would be the ones to go up through the playoffs. So it's, it's a long season and, and anything can happen really. But it was never never mentioned about uh, fighting for relegation or, or anything like that. Well, well uh, nice one, Dan, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully, it's the first of many goals for you. Perfect, thank you. Uh, in terms of Maidenhead, it's, it's one of those, though, isn't it, Rob? Like you say, is it a surprise? They always tend to do well against the bigger teams and maybe struggle against the teams you feel they could be getting points off. Yeah, I mean, they've got to be together. They've got to play with passion. They, they, they obviously, don't you know? I, I don't think they would even themselves pretend to have one of the stronger squads or the best quality in the National League, but they have an identity, they have a togetherness. And I guess to some extent that siege mentality we were referring to last week, it's like, come on, everybody's going to write us off. Everybody's going to be saying, oh, if there's one certain result in the National League today, it's that Notts County have been going to beat Maidenhead. What I'm not quite across of, and I don't know if either of you two are, there was obviously some issues regarding COVID and COVID mm. tests or something yeah. around around this match? So four yeah. members of the Notts County group tested positive, but none of the match day squad did. So the match went ahead. Uh, to be fair, Neil Adler didn't use it as an excuse in his post-match afterwards. He, he said they were really bad goals that they conceded. But it was interesting watching a BT Sport highlight show last night that Matt Smith mentioned that Notts County uh, get their players tested privately, which other, play, which other clubs wouldn't have done, which is why the match was able to go ahead because they found that basically the first or the 15 who were going to be in the squad were negative, including the the, the management team. I think he mentioned in his post-match interview that the players that played were players from a certain bubble. So I don't know whether they're separating the players at training, whether that's possible or 
or what. But um, yeah, that's what he mentioned. And as as Luke said, yeah, he didn't use it as an excuse. He was he was disappointed about the defending from set pieces. To be honest, that's what he uh, that's part of the thing that he mentioned. But I know that they did have a lot of discussions with the national league quite late on to to because they wanted to fulfil the fixture. Um, so that can't have been ideal preparation. Although, yeah, he didn't he didn't use it as an excuse. It is all over the place at the minute. Who who is who isn't testing? Who can afford to? Who can't afford to? I know if you track it back to the whole Altrincham thing, because of that, Eastley made a commitment to get all their squad tested before yesterday's game against Aldershot. But as far as I know, the Aldershot Town players haven't been tested at all since the season started. It's one of those. I mean, where do we stand on it? Hartlepool v Barnet was called off. There's only one player from Barnet who tested positive. I know we've had a chat about this on WhatsApp and it's a case of probably, is it two two maximum two players or maybe one player on one member of the backroom staff and then anyone after that, that's when you call it off. I mean, otherwise you'd just be kind of, you're waiting and waiting and waiting around and I don't think, one, the National League can extend the season and two, they can afford to have it null and void, really. There, there needs to be some clarification. I don't think there is at the moment. Um I can think of examples where teams have had two players with positive tests and they've gone ahead. Liverpool, for example, with uh, Thiago and Mane. Um, and, and other instances where um, one, uh, only one's had it and, and the, the league have been sympathetic to, for games to be called off. I don't think they probably feel they're in a position in the National League to dictate. I think they're just desperate, like everybody is, to try and keep this season going. But I've, I've got grave doubts if, if it's going to be completed if I'm honest um, or even how far it'll even get and I know that sounds like I'm being a bit of a doom merchant but I think I'm just being practical I'm being logical um, the numbers are on the up what do you think Chris? Yeah I think I'm, I'm worried about the season um, as you are I mean as you look a little bit further down the steps there's uh, you know step three in the um, Northern Premier Division there was three matches that couldn't be played uh, yesterday as well, and um, yeah, it's all going to it's all going to be pushed onto that around about May time, isn't it? And you you know you might get a you might get a situation where a club has to play three games in a week if you you know if if you're not too careful because you know some clubs will not play for two weeks, say if they've got four or five or integral members of the squad or something like that. So I agree, there needs to be I would say there needs to be some sort of guidelines because. You know, one of the t- one of the squad members testing positive could be an, an injured player who hasn't been in contact with the rest of the squad because he's just been um, being worked on by the physio during the week. So, as long as there's common sense in there as well, I, I agree. I think um, guidelines rather than strict rules would be useful. I think it needs to be taken on a case by case basis. Pardon the pun as well, but I don't. I can't. I can't see the season being called off. It may be well be delayed for two or three weeks, and then we have to catch up that way and, and, and assess the situation. I suppose, isn't it? It's. Uh, I think it's too early to say that they'll call it off. I mean, we're, we're at the hands of the the politicians as well, aren't we? Really, because if there's a you know if there's a three week lockdown, if there's a two week lockdown, a circuit breaker is as, as they're calling it, that might mean no football, um, whether you've got any positive COVID tests or not. So. <clears throat> we're in the unusual situation of we've just got to play it by ear. And hopefully, if the worst does mm. come to the worst, to, uh, the leagues have had these discussions beforehand so they know what's going to happen if we do get to, mm. hopefully we won't, but if we do get to a situation where we might not be able to complete the season. I think that obviously we know a lot more about the virus, a lot more how to handle it as well within the stadiums. I think the clubs know a lot more as well. So that that's more of an advantage, I think, than maybe it was back in March. Yeah, and the only other point I want to make on it before we get into the meat of the games, really, at the weekend, but uh, I think one thing that feels almost certain, uh, whether there's a circuit breaker, whether the season ends abruptly, whether it finishes a bit early or where, or you just get to May and there's a lot of games left, um, I think our old friend, our new friend, the PPG, the points per game, is going to come back into play. So beware, clubs, in your desperation to get games on if, if your points per game is one that needs protecting. Um, I, I, I dare say, I don't know the situation at Notts County yesterday, but I can imagine with them being in good form and with Maidenhead, Wrexham away, aside being in uh, not so good form, Notts County would have probably seen that one yesterday as a fantastic chance to get three points and uh, and maybe even push right up to the top of the table. Yeah, keeping the pressure on Notts County, uh, well, going above them, uh, Stockport County, who... 
after their opening day defeat at Torquay, have responded well and they've won all their games since. And it was another tough battle for them on Tuesday night down at Wheelstone, who were 2-1 down, came back to win 5-2. And then live on the BT Sport cameras on a Saturday evening, they played out a great game against Chesterfield, left it late. And if you're a fan of pinball, they'll enjoy both the Chesterfield and the Stockport winners. There's about three or four ricochets in both boxes. The Stockport winner was as scruffy as you like. But even at this stage early in the season, it's a case of you win leagues by scoring scruffy goals like that late on, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, and, you know, it was a really good game to watch, actually. It was uh, it was hard fought. And um, Alex Reid pops up again with the winner. And as you say, it was pinball, but he managed to crane his neck and just get enough on it to uh, to put it in the back of the net in the last five minutes. And he's made the difference. Um, he made the difference against Dover on Saturday as well. So coming off the bench, he's making a real impact. What I would say about it was watching it, I always felt, I know they left it late, but I always felt that County had enough in it to go on and win the game. It always felt like there'd be something, there'd be another chance, there'd be another few chances. Uh, I thought they created quite a bit. And um, four wins out of four. I mean, Stockport County fans won't be getting carried away because if you look at the teams they've played, there's probably only Halifax and maybe Torquay after their start to the season that you would say are going to be teams who are going to be up there in and around the challenging and in and around the playoffs. What I'd say, on, if we talk about Chesterfield quickly, what I'd say about Chesterfield is, and this is a trap that you can fall into, is I felt they were really reliant on Tom Denton um, yesterday. A lot of clubs end up doing that if you've got ten, Tom Denton up front because he'll win 90% of headers and people can pick up the pieces from there. But I just felt they perhaps didn't have um, didn't have a plan B yesterday, Chesterfield. Um, if Tom Denton's injured or has a bad game, then they could, you know, they're in they're in trouble. Yeah, they have relied on him. I mean, he'd scored, I think, in each of his last five games up until Saturday. But Stockport do remain top and on goal difference ahead of ahead of Torquay. Really good start for them. They played five, one, four, lost one similar record to Stockport. It's just did not scored quite as many as them. And they got a good 2-0 win over Dover. Both goals coming from the centre-half. Cameron and good solid start from Torquay. Really, really good for them to, to get four wins on the trot, four out of five. Um, and, uh, you know, Gary Johnson's got such a record for doing it. I, I looked at his, uh, you know, retention and his team building in the summer. And if I'm honest, I didn't think that they would be up there. Um, and obviously we wait to see if they do stay up there. But, I thought the loss of Jamie Reid was a huge loss and he admitted it himself in one or two of the interviews I saw that it's very, very difficult trying to replace goals like that. But he's had, he's had that challenge a number of times over the years. He's, he's found a nugget of a striker. Um, invariably, what happens when strikers score 25, 30 goals a season, they move upwards and he's had to, uh, he's had to uh, find, uh, find someone else. But on this occasion, as you say, it was the centre-back Carl Cameron, the skipper, with both the goals. Yeah, the Scotsman there coming up good for Torquay. Rob Woking, they uh, they only had a nil-nil draw yesterday. Alan Dawson uh, wasn't too chuffed when he was interviewed after, said it wasn't the, the greatest game in the world. But that draw keeps him in fourth position and, and a decent start once again for Woking. Yeah, superb start for them. I'll get a look at them first-hand next Saturday in the FA Cup. You've got a Hampshire-Surrey derby there between Aldershot and Woking next week. But... Um, it was an interesting one. I was really keen to see how that result went yesterday because both Woking and Halifax, we've grouped them together a few times now, haven't we? Part-time teams that over-exceeded last season, one in and one just outside the playoffs, and they couldn't be separated yesterday. So uh, um, it'll be interesting to see which of those two has got the best staying power this season. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Solihull, they, uh, they, they won 1-0 against Bournemouth. Adam Rooney finally got off the mark for Solihull after a long time coming since he's moved from Salford. It feels like an age ago since he moved there. Well, it was, I suppose, but in the end, he has finally got his reward and getting a goal. And, and it, it was a good win that for Solihull. They, they had to tough it out because we were down to 10 men really early on, weren't they, with Darren Carter getting sent off? Absolutely. And that's a re- those 1-0 wins sometimes are so precious, particularly when you've lost a player in the first half. And if you'd have said there'd be a player that would pick up two bookings in the first 20 minutes yesterday, probably last on your list would have been Darren Carter. I know he's a combative uh, midfielder, but uh, 
Interesting. I, I, I wonder if he was just a little bit off the pace. I've seen the first book in, can kind of understand it. Might have been a bit unlucky, but the second one's poor. He's, uh, his timing's poor, and you can't afford to time a tackle like that when you're on a yellow card. Yeah, and he knew it as well. The game of the day probably produced the goal of the day. Wheelstone 4, Wrexham 3, and a fantastic goal from Jacob Mendy. So let's say he smoked it into the top corner. Um, but for Wrexham, that's two defeats in... in th- that's three defeats in five now for them. And will Ryan Reynolds fire Dean Keats' ass? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, Chris? <laughs> I almost can't speak now after that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think you might have a career in Hollywood waiting for you. Um, Yeah, well, Dean Dean Keats was disappointed. You know, he said after the game, he he was pretty ashen-faced and he said it's definitely one of the worst one of his teams has ever defended. And then he went on to say, first goal was our mistake. Second goal was our mistake. And you can see where he's he's going on with that. Um, yeah, I think when Wrexham beat Yeovil away uh, last week, um, we all looked at them and thought, all right then, are they, are they going to get something to, together here? And then they've gone on, as you say, and they've lost against um, both Maidenhead and Wheelston. And um, I don't know, they, they can never get a bit of momentum, can they, Wrexham? They never seem to they, win one game, they'll lose two. They might win two, then they'll draw one, lose one. Never seem to to put runs together. And they haven't in the in the last few seasons either. Um just on Wheelston, though, you are getting well. You would have been getting value for money if you were in in the stadium. Um, obviously, you can't be because that's fourteen goals in two Wheelston games now, mm-hmm. as well. Not all for them; they're going in at the other end as well. But uh, you know, fantastic win for them. And, and Dean Bennon said, you know, we're we're going to be one of the hardest working teams in in this division, and it's it's showing. Yeah, no, I, I, I said in my prediction, didn't I, Rob, at the start of the season, that I don't think Wilston will go down. And I think that's why I think they've got enough goals in them. 100%. I agreed with that. Um, plenty of goals from, from different places, different sources. And just, I think they're going to have under Dean Brennan as well, whatever the result, win, lose or draw, rub the slate clean and go for it again the following week. They're going to lose some, they're going to win some, but I'm sure they will indeed have enough. Um, as for Wrexham, well, I don't want to keep labouring the point. And also, it, it feels a bit awkward because we, we're all in media and we all try and play things a little bit safe with what we say. But bottom line, and uh, and if they get promoted, uh, Wrexham fans come back at me at the end of the season and remind me of this quote. But I don't rate the manager, Dean Keats. I don't think tactically he's good enough. And uh, I don't think Wrexham will go up while he's in charge. If you read some of the um, comments on Twitter as well, I think some, a lot agree with you, Rob. I think... A big miss as well for them, though, is Sean Pearson. He's not played the last few games, has he? And he's a real leader for them at the back. Oh, an absolute leader. A colossus um, leads by example. Um, and I'm so envious of players like him when I see them um, because uh, they're, they're rare and they're hard to come by. And you do find in this league that some managers with a lot of nows have three or four Sean Pearson-type leaders in their team and others um, lack leadership. You know, so you can find, you know, in some sides four potential captains, and in others you're looking around and thinking, you know, who 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 really can lead this team? Who is leading this team? We're going to move on now and move down to the south coast where Rob was watching all the shot at Eastleigh. But before that game went ahead, he called with a couple of quite big figures. First of all, Eastleigh manager Ben Strevens to talk about the season so far, but also. Former Bolton Wanderers and one cap England wonder, Kevin Davis. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Davis was there watching a couple of players that are in his stable. He's in uh, some uh, player management these days, um, uh, sports management these days. Um, so I grabbed him for a quick word as well. That was at half time. So, yeah, prior to the game, um, I had a couple of minutes with Ben Strevens. I'm joined for the NL full-time podcast prior to the Hampshire derby against Aldershot by Eastleigh manager Ben Strevens. Ben, good to catch up with you so early in the season. You've had a solid start. And, and dare I say, you've got a solid-looking squad as well. I think you kept 14, signed six. How pleased were you with uh, your building in the summer? Uh, yes, we all was, obviously. A, a mass, massive part of the summer was trying to keep a nucleus of boys together that I've known for the last couple of years. Um, but then adding a bit of... Um, youthfulness, a few younger players giving some people chances in the summer and then um, yeah last year we lost some 
important players for us over the course of the season. We lost Rob Atkinson, Raider Johnson and Ben Williamson all around the January time. And um, if I'm being honest and harsh on myself, I don't think I did good enough in recruiting to replace him in the second half of the season before COVID hit, obviously. So um, worked hard on the summer and the right type of characters. And so far, look, the, the signs are good, but it's very still uh, early days at the moment. Now you won't get obviously too carried away by a decent start. And I know there was some disappointment at the draw uh, with Altrincham uh, a week or so ago. But um, strange feeling today. A derby game, but no fans in. And it's when it really hits home, doesn't it? Yeah, honestly, the home games have really hit home for me. When we went away to Barnet first out of season, not just because we won, but it didn't feel too strange to me. But um, the Torquay game, because it was a midweek game also, but last Saturday I thought it was a real weird atmosphere against Altrincham. And it will be even more so today, you know. Um, the fact that the, the derbies are, you know, so intense good and bad you know you have their support at their place really getting behind them and you know, putting you on the back foot and um, and also their away support to be fair to Aldershot has always been excellent at this place as well so um, look we're going to miss it today it is it's going to be a strange atmosphere I think we're all trying to get used to it the best we can and um, it's not making excuses for it I think whoever deals with these circumstances the best is going to do well this year so it's um, it's about creating your own atmosphere and um, trying to play with a tempo and you know know that although there's not fans here it still matters to people and we, we're trying to win the game for it. Now, in a way, because Aldershot lost their first two games, in terms of getting your players right mentally for today, was it, if anything, a good thing that Aldershot had a good win in the week? There's no way anyone's going to take them lightly in your side. No, look, I, I just mentioned, you know, about the games we played against them last year. 14 of my boys, like you said, were with me last year, and we lost to Aldershot last year, and we drew against them at home. So um, I was talking more about them sorts of things. Um, completely honest, I watched all three of the games. Did they play any better against Dover than they did against Sutton? Or the first game was away at Hartlepool? Probably not. Um, I thought they played well in both them games as well. Just they was clinical in the counter-attack against Dover. Being honest, Dover didn't have their best of nights. And I spoke to Andy Hess and Tyler about that. But um, look, Danny's a good guy. I know Anwar Woody and he was my captain at um, Dagenham and Redbridge. You know, we've shared some great memories together. You know, we've got promoted out of this league together. So, got a lot of respect for them as a management team. And um, we know it's going to be a tough game. Whether they had lost all three or won all three, we know it would have been a tough game today. So, um, we, we know we've got to be at our best today to get a result. Good luck for the season, Ben. And we'll catch you perhaps at the EBB later in the season. It was it was a really good game in the end. It'll easily remain unbeaten, but at the end, well, winter was coming, wasn't it? It's fair to say. Boom! There you go. <laughs> funny game, a funny game. I'll split it up like this, chaps. Forty minutes of pretty much nothingness. Um, a very soft penalty. I think Strevens and and Searle agreed on two things yesterday: that uh, Eastley's penalty was very soft handball given against George Fowler neither of them thought it was a penalty you couldn't tell on the camera also. either did you see the highlights it was about 100 yards away you couldn't tell what had happened yeah. at all could you well, the, actual, <laughs> the actual camera that was used for the live stream was on the uh, other side it did catch it a lot better and uh, I've seen it and you know it's just when a ball comes in and just just grazes the the torso of somebody's body and goes from the torso onto their arm which is down by their side it I think we all know it's not handball but the referee in the moment gave it Two minutes later, he gave a free kick at the other end, which was very soft as well. Uh, and Craig Tanner stepped up and, and, and put a fine finish into the top corner. Uh, the second half basically was all order shot. And it was um, they went 2-1 up. Fine header from young Alfie Whittingham. Great to see him holding down a place in that first team now. Um, but all the shots spurned three or four really, really good op- opportunities to, to go 3-1 up. And you felt as you watched that they might pay for it. Betima hit the post. Tanner curled another beauty against the inside of the post. Paniatu shot straight at the keeper. Whittingham slipped a little bit when he was put through by Tanner. And then there you go. Yeah, literally 92, 93 minutes. Aldershot conceded a silly free kick. Winter heads it in at the far post. And sadly, for the third time in four games, the shots have conceded in the last five minutes to lose a point or points. Um I'll try and finish with a positive, and the positive was the midweek 5-0 win at Dover. The biggest ever away win for Aldershot Town. And the positive is Aldershot are in 13th as well. I mean, after the Maidenhead game, they were bottom of the table. So, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? No. I did look at the live league table about two minutes before the equaliser, and Aldershot was sat eighth. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's early days, isn't it? Um, and just to uh, get things back in uh, order now, um, as a at halftime in that game, we caught up with uh, Kevin Davies. Halftime here at the uh, Silver Lake. It's one all between Eastley and Aldershot. 
And I spotted a familiar face in the stand, uh, Kevin Davis, quite often uh, doing a bit of punditry for uh, BT Sport and, and due to be on a couple of games soon. Kevin won all here at half-time. Um, not the greatest first half, but two moments of uh, real quality for the goals in the last five minutes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, uh, debatable decisions for the penalty we couldn't really see. And the free kick, obviously, a bit of quality. I think it's from Tanner, wasn't it, who's um, had a really good start to the season as well. So, um, really good free kick, goalkeeper, no chance. And I'd say a very even game, not too many clear-cut chances, but um, it makes for an interesting second half, I think, yeah. Now, you watched a lot of National League football in, in the last few seasons. You must have scratched your head at, at times as, as, as yourself and some of the other pundits. You kind of make your predictions based on a bit of logic and they just totally fly out the window, don't they? What do you make of the start of this season? A couple of the big favourites, Notts County, Stockport County, they lost those first games, but they have found form since. Yeah, again, um, you know, some very big clubs still in the league. So I think Stockport have, have made some really good signings. It's better them to be there or thereabouts. Um, in contention for the automatic but certainly in around the playoffs but there's some great clubs Chesterfield Mail Club in there as well um, hoping to do well after a disappointing season last year so listen there's some good clubs in there um, you normally get one or two surprises as well Eastley started uh, very strongly as well so as ever it's a competitive season really difficult league to predict I think being involved you know with BT Sports over the last four or five six years you know you always get one or two surprises so I think um, you know we're just good to be back watching football and being around football again I know it's disappointing for the fans uh, not being able to get into ground, so hopefully, you know that will resolve its, it, itself in due course. But um, you know, it, it just makes up for a, a good season, um, and, and as ever, it's going to be as competitive as ever, really. So um, we'll see how it goes. You've uh, been involved in professional football for a long time. I know you've got your own uh, agency now, and you look after a, a, a number of players. It's a difficult time for them, isn't it? Um, not not necessarily contractually, but in terms of they're exposing themselves to risk all the time and at this level of football there's not necessarily tests weekly like there is at a higher level um, you've got two fixtures not even taking place again this weekend uh, it's a bit of a chaotic situation isn't it I think so and I think it just all boils down to communication with really. the National League you know they're speaking to a few of the owners and, and directors of football's managers at the levels it's that lack of communication it was only a few days before the start of the season and Clubs didn't, didn't really know where they were going to be standing in terms of fans coming in, are they able to stream? So I think that's been difficult for a lot of clubs to manage in terms of bringing players in, recruiting, because they not quite know where the funding is. It's still, you know, not sure about that at the moment as well. So, you know, I've been speaking to a lot of clubs. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult period, but I think everyone's glad to be back playing at least. Um, hopefully, you know, with COVID, the numbers stays low and it allows the, the season to progress. There will be cancellations here and there, you know, with with players you know, getting COVID and we understand that and it's just trying to manage and as long as the communication is right between the league and the clubs I think they can manage it and they're set up for COVID anyway you know with allowing fans in so it's just for me sometimes a, com a bit of common sense needs to prevail but you know it's, I think all in all everyone's happy just to be back playing that's the main thing Brilliant Kevin thanks for joining us we'll see you on BT Sports soon no Cheers Two more games to look at firstly we'll, I mean we won't sort of touch on it for longer because it apparently wasn't great. Dagenham Redbridge nil, Yeovil nil and uh, Wilkinson got sent off for them. It, it, it amused me on the highlights actually because while he was being sent off and the referee was ticking him off, he had his hands behind his back with his head bowed as though he knew he was in trouble like a naughty school kid and uh, the, the red card was duly shown. But uh, quickly, Rob, certainly Dagenham, they've, they've kind of, they've huffed and puffed so far, haven't they? Yeah, they're sitting two places and one point outside the bottom three. And Yeovil, not an awful lot better. Uh, the, the, the season's draw specialist so far. Who would have thought Yeovil wouldn't get a win in their first five games? Uh, two sides that have had a very frustrating start to the season, given the undoubted quality in their squads. Yeah, and not yes. me, Rob. I tip them to go up out the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, so, yeah. Is that Chris? Yeah, me a... too. Both. Yeah. I think both the teams in the playoffs I've gone for. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, we all have, haven't we? But um, yeah. So we know we all know what's going to happen. One of them's going to go down, aren't they? <laughs> Perhaps you should always look at mine before you decide yours and go the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Two teams who are being tipped by a lot of people to go down and the two newly promoted clubs, one from the National League South, one from the National League North. And Weymouth came out on top to get their first win of the season, 2-1 against Kings Lynn. Adam Marriott scored again for Kings Lynn, but they were reduced to 10 men late on and then Whelan stepped up in the end to convert the penalty. Tom Whelan, 
uh, the former Yeovil player and uh, a vital win that for Weymouth and it was good to get a win against somebody who's been promoted alongside you. Look, you've just hit the nail on the head. I think that the, those games are going to be so important for those sides. And, you know, both Weymouth and Kings Lynn won't thank me for saying, but I think they are going to be, you know, mid-table at best probably this season. And I think they probably both accept that as well. So those sort of games are crucial. As you say, another late goal. So many late goals going in in the, in the National League already this season. I think on Kings Lynn, I think, you know, Adam Marriott scored again yeah, yesterday. Um, they've got goals in them, but they've conceded 10 in the last three games. There's not a single game they've played in the league this season where they haven't conceded two goals. And they're going to have to work on that because that's going to really cost them at the end of the season if they don't address that. They didn't really concede loads last year. I mean, they weren't exactly watertight, but they weren't sort of open either. So like you say, I think that'll be the one sort of source of disappointment for even Ian Culvalls because we know they'll score goals with, with Marriott and Gash up front. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also going to be a difficult place to go to, the walks. Let's let's be honest, it's miles away from anywhere, <laughs> apart yeah. from Rob. So, <laughs> yeah, apart from yeah. Rob, yeah. yeah it's, still, it's, it's still the best part of an hour away from me. I mean, I'm looking at the league table chaps as we uh, are having the chat and the four promoted clubs are all in the bottom seven. Um, and I do think when we look at Wildstone and uh, when we look at Kings Lynn, we do think to ourselves, these teams have got the goals in them that might just shoot them to safety. It's a lot harder to say that about uh, Weymouth. And, and I have to say, Altrincham as well, having having lost uh, Jordan Hume on the uh, eve of the season, uh, that's a lot of goals to lose just before the season starts. Just a final word on the uh, bottom end of the table and uh, the frustration that we just referred to a couple of minutes ago for the likes of Yeovil and Dagenham. If you wanted an indication of just how frustrating the start of the season has been, for those two clubs, look at their card count. Dagenham, nine yellows and one red in the first uh, four games or so. And Yeovil, 17 yellows and one red. They're fighting for the cause. They're just not picking up the points. More cards and card factory, isn't it, there from Yeovil, I think. It's, uh, yeah, you, <laughs> it's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Again, like say, Robin, I think that's just the frustration bubble. I can't even think of the word frustration bubbling over. For, for those two sides, especially Yeovil, as I say, Darren Saar was really, he was really bigging them up in pre-season, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, um, it is very, very early days. I thought I'd be the first one to mention it today, but, uh, you know, you're drawn, you're still drawn to look at the table. A good start can mean a lot and a bad start can leave you, you know, trying and play and catch up and chasing for the whole season. But uh, it is very, very early days. And if you listen to the uh, the managers who are in the top three or four, they'll all say to a man, don't take any notice of the table until at least eight or ten games. Chris, Rob, thanks very much for joining us to review the National League. Pleasure Good. as always. Uh, so now we're going to look at the National League North. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids. I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> Lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. And joining me to review the National League North, it is, as always, our resident North expert, Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie. Hi, Luke. Good to speak to you. So at the top of the table in the National League North, well, Dickie, we wondered about Gloucester, didn't we, after their FA Cup defeat at Christchurch, but three wins out of three have dispelled any myths, and it was a comprehensive win over Blythe. They were, they were five one up at half time, eventually won by six goals to one. Yeah, it was. I mean, that FA Cup result, I think, is the only thing that hasn't gone right for Gloucester so far this season. As you say, three wins out of three. Um, the, the biggest of them yesterday, a six-one thumping of Blythe, and you know. Started okay for Blythe. They're a goal ahead after three minutes through Paul Blackett. But uh, yeah, 5-1 down at half-time. A Matt McClure hat-trick. Bernard Mentzer, Aquasi Asante also on the score sheet. And an own goal in the last minute just to round things off for Blythe. And yeah, it's an absolutely flying start for for James Rowe's team at Meadow Park. Um, You know, they they were... The only thing that's missing, as it is anywhere, is, is... 
the support from the fans and obviously that that's a blow for them because I think a lot of the investment that's gone into the team and the new stadium was has been designed to sort of like create a buzz about being back in the city and and to um get Gloucester back on the map and, and in people's um thoughts and affections you know in, in the city and and the fact that they they can't actually go and see that team at the moment um is probably the only thing that, that, that that's not gone their way but I'm sure that um, when they do get back in, as I say, if they can be up there when, when the crowds are allowed back in, that they will get good good support, won't they? And, and like you say, the investment and the recruitment that they've put in, it's certainly bearing fruit early on, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and that, that's got to be their aim to, um, that, that when the restrictions are lifted, that, that they've been able to create an anticipation around being back in the city of Gloucester at last after such a long time away um, and, and have those fans eager to, 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 to get into Meadow Park to, to see the new surroundings and to, uh, and to see the team that they, they've put together and they're going about it in the right way. In second place, it's your boys, Dickie, and it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? They've been really good at home, yet to concede. But away from home, it's been a different story, and they went out of the FA Cup as well in midweek. Yeah, um, Telford out of the FA Cup in midweek in a penalty shootout away at Leiston. Um, obviously, a step three side. Uh, it's just one of those evenings, really, that, that struck the post, struck the bar, couldn't score, and then when it goes to a penalty shootout, um, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a lottery. Um, I think it was nine, eight in penalties in the end. So it was quite a lengthy shootout as well. And I think even the three that weren't scored were all on target, were all saved by the goalkeepers. So, um, yeah, it was it was just one of those nights, unfortunately. But, but yeah, Telford bounced back yesterday. Um, National League North Table does have a bit of a, a strange look to it at the moment, of course, because we've got various teams who, who've... We've, I think there's three teams that have only played one game each so far, and there's another of other teams who have only, only played twice. Um, so it does have a slightly odd look. But yeah, a 1-0 win for Telford yesterday over Gateshead. Didn't dominate in terms of possession, but certainly had the better chances, I think. Um, and yeah, a, a second home win against a, another playoff team. They beat Brackley in their first home victory. And if it had not been for a slip in the 90th minute of uh, their game at Blythe last week, it would have been three wins out of three. Although I think they'd probably still be second on goal difference to, to Gloucester with their plus eight at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a very positive start. What do you make of Gateshead, Dickie? Obviously, last season they were in the, the, the playoffs. Mike Williamson is first season in charge. It's been a slow start for them, hasn't it? Yeah, it has a little bit. And they went out of the FA Cup at, at Chorley as well. So that, you know, that was a bit of a blow to them. I thought Gateshead looked very good in possession. They do move the ball around very well, but they just, I'm not sure they've quite got, they lack a bit of a focal point up front. I think Rory Keating was up there yesterday and he did have a, a couple of efforts on goal. One, a particularly good save by Russ Griffiths to deny him. But it, that might be... Um, their Achilles heel at the moment, I think, is is that they, they, they might not quite have enough goals in the team. Just behind them are Spennymore. They beat Chester in what seems like the most entertaining game, barring Gloucester against Blythe, of course. That was a bit more one-sided, but this one was a lot closer. Five goals in this one, Spennymore prevailing by three goals to two. Yeah, they did. And I think they played one another in the FA Cup earlier in the week as well. So it was a, a reverse of that fixture. Um, but yeah, it took uh, an 89th minute own goal. I think there were some suggestions that, that perhaps it was Simon Grand. I think the non-league paper he was giving it um, is actually put Louis Gray, the uh, the Chester goalkeeper, down as the unfortunate scorer of the own goal. But uh, yeah, Chester led after 12 minutes. Danny Livesey, I think, who's, who's started the season very, very well for Chester. But uh, a, a reply from, from Glenn Taylor, who we know all about um, on this podcast. And then, yeah, a, a goal in Barely a minute left on the clock to secure a win for Spennymore. And they've got seven points out of nine as well. Um, we spoke about their recruitment over the summer. And I know I've tipped them to certainly be, um, in my mind, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a massive failure uh, for Spennymore this season with the, with the, the players that they've recruited. And um, yeah, they're, they're in third place and, and have started very well. In terms of Chester, I mean, I know Anthony Johnson, It was I interviewed him after the playoff game when they went out last year to Algerham and he kind of said the third season's a big one for them but with everything that's happened over the summer he's kind of played it down a little bit so he'll be really pleased with how they started it albeit they lost yesterday but I think it'd have taken six points in three games wouldn't he? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so they're sitting in fifth, um, and it is a good start. I mean, people have. I think we. I mean, we've said on this podcast ourselves about the loss of Asante, but the the, the fact that it did um, open up an opportunity for for um, Danny Elliott up front. I think he started the season quite well for them. Yeah, there's there's just a, a little bit less. Um, hoopla and hullabaloo about Chester this season, I think, because obviously the, the the landscape has changed a little bit up there. But um, yeah, it, it kind of fits with. Uh, I think Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley are very smart. You know, they 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 like an underdog tag, um, and yeah, uh, you know, they've again, it's a it's a really positive start from them. And and they'll I think he'd be quite satisfied, although obviously wouldn't be he'd be disappointed to, to not be returning with at least a point yesterday when you know you you're down into the final minutes of a game and you're drawing one one, you you hope to hang on for something. Yeah, just behind Chester uh York, they're in sixth position and a bit of their Achilles heel last year was drawing a lot of games at home that they feel they should have won and Albeit they played Brackley yesterday, but Brackley haven't had a brilliant start to the season and it was a bit of a dour nil-nil by all accounts yesterday at Bootham Crescent. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think my feeling about York last season certainly was that perhaps they they didn't score enough. Um, and then I know they've had a big turnover of players, but again, well, time will tell, we don't know, but I don't know if York have necessarily got enough goals in them again this season. Brackley traditional slow starters actually they 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 never sort of seem to hit their straps early on um and so a goalless draw wasn't entirely a surprise yesterday I don't think um we've skipped past one team there in the top six as well who didn't play filed obviously their uh, their game didn't take place with I think it was supposed to be Kettering yes because of um covid um, outbreak at Kettering so they're sitting pretty they've got six points from six and they've got a game in hand on um, those teams above them in the table at the moment so I know Fylde will be feeling confident as well Yeah and surprisingly in seventh place I know we uh, we weren't sure how they were going to do and I know me and Chris have spoken about it as well in the past in, in that he, he came from Cole and he's come two divisions down hasn't he from two divisions below sorry Steve Cunningham but a good solid start for them and they drawn the first two games, scored a lot of goals. They've been high-scoring draws, but they got off the mark with a good win over Farsley on Saturday. Yeah, they did, and I, I, I've been quite impressed with the recruitment at uh, Stephen Cunningham's uh, recruitment at Curzon Ashton over the summer, and I think they, um, the player who got them. Um, up and running yesterday, Dominic Knowles. I think they added him only just before the season started. That might have been one of those instances where, you know, waiting for confirmation um, of of the financial package that, that that's come from the government to enable the National League to start. And until that that was, um, they they'd got word that that was going to be coming. They didn't want to commit to anything with Dominic Knowles, but obviously he he had a he had a reasonable season last season uh, at Boston United was with Harrogate the season before that one and he and he is a proven goal scorer. Um and I think when you've got players of the likes of him, um you've got is it Paul Turnbull who was at uh, Stockport County as well. So they've I think they've recruited well. I think they've got more experience about them this season. Um and so yeah, not surprised to see them pick up a win yesterday against Farsley Celtic. Uh, Dale Whitham with the the winner eventually. Jimmy Spencer replying for for Farsley after they'd gone two 0 down. But yeah, not enough for them in the end. Looking down at the bottom, then I mean Blyther in Blyther in seventeenth. They're above five other teams, but it is ominous for Blyther in the fact that they've played two more games than some of those teams, including Bradford. And Kettering, and they're obviously they've conceded eleven already. A team down there who have played three games, second bottom of Charlie, and that's a real surprise, Dickie. They've played three, lost three. Yes, it is. It's a it's a it's a very topsy turvy start to the season for Charlie. I mean, they've um, benefited from the uh, Macclesfield's demise in in some sense with the FA Cup because they've got a buy through to the first round. Um, which is terrific for them, but it's not been such a good start in the league. And again, I looked at the turnover of players in the summer at Chorley. I think Jamie Vermiglio, whether it was that the, the players that were at Chorley just kind of didn't fancy going again and, and trying to 
get promotion back into the National League after having done so once and then, you know, spending most of the of the season at the, the wrong end of the National League table last season before relegation. You know, I think Jamie Vermiglio might have felt that he wanted to freshen it up and has certainly done so. There's some quite, you know, young players in that in that Chorley side. So, um, you know, they had a fine 2-1 win against against Gateshead in the FA Cup and 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 from what I can hear from people in the Gateshead camp yesterday they 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 felt that surely were a good side you know but yeah three defeats out of three is you know not what I would have expected from them certainly and the, the final game to look at it finished Geisley nil Hereford one and a, a good response by Hereford after being surprisingly knocked out of the cup at Stafford Rangers in midweek yeah, that would have stung a little bit, you know, to to lose it um, as it does when you lose to a team that's from a step below you or or even two steps below you in um, in the league system. So yeah, but Hereford bounced back yesterday with a with a, a very fine one nil win, good defensive performance, uh, and a penalty from Linnell John Lewis um, uh, on thirty minutes. I was setting out his store as mm-hmm. as he would, um, but. <laughs> You have to well make done. a joke of it, Lenell. Yeah, John well Lewis, done. Well you? done. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean that that is a that's a, a decent result for them um, in terms of where it puts Hereford in the table. Yeah, up to eighth, but four points from two games. So you know they're they're unbeaten in the league, but um, it's just very early days at the moment, isn't it? You know, with um, and the impact of of some of these. Um, the, the teams that aren't playing at the moment. I, I know um, uh, one of the assistants, Paul Holleran, um, Martin Naylor from from Leamington was at the, was actually at the Telford game yesterday, and um, managed to grab a, a quick word with him. And he said, at the moment, because of the restrictions, he said Leamington they can't even get together and train. So when when you're talking about teams having to take a couple of weeks off because of players self isolating or things like that, it's not just as simple as welcoming those players back into the fold when, you know, they're able to play again. Leamington, he's saying they aren't able to train at the moment. So, you know, they've got to, we're going to have those kind of interruptions and those kind of things are going to, they're going to have an influence in this league this season as they are in every league, I think. Well, it was a very quick word because you didn't even like do any audio or anything. That's how quick it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, he literally grabbed it. The game was literally about to start and he came up to the press box trying to find a team sheet. So, yeah, there wasn't yeah. enough time to, to to grab a word with him um, on on audio, unfortunately. Yeah, but um, uh, it, it's it's a difficult one. You know, you know, they're in that situation. I think Kettering have only played one. Bradford Park Avenue have only played one. Boston have only played one. I know Telford is supposed to be um, playing Boston next weekend, and I, 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 the, the noises I'm hearing that, that that's likely to go ahead. But um, it might be put yeah. back a day because I think is it Friday they come out of isolation, so they may only have one day to prepare. And I know it's a similar thing for Fylde and Altrincham in the FA Cup next week, so you may well be playing on the Sunday. Yeah, it's quite possible. You know, it, it, it and and we can't. Um, overlook the potential impact of that uh, of all of these kind of things on 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 how teams are going to go this season. Now it is we are we're in extraordinary circumstances, um, and and the impact of this shouldn't be you know um, dismissed or overwritten. You know players are human beings; they are going to respond to this in different ways, um, and ultimately that impacts on how they perform on the field and how their teams do. Well, Dickie, thanks for. Uh... Thanks for that, Dickie. Thanks for your review. And we'll, uh, we'll speak to you next week, all being well. Yes, absolutely. Be, look forward to it. So joining me now to review the National League South is Ian Herring. Hi, Ian. Hi, Luke. So at the top of the National League South, it's darking and, and they mean business, don't they, Ian? Uh, there was two goals for James McShane in a 4-0 win at Braintree. And they've started off, they've come really out of the blocks, haven't they, in these first three games? Yeah, I mean, 4-0 away, away from home is, is good at any time, but um, they've had an exceptional start and um, 
I think we all thought they would would be at the top, and um, they're, they're they're proving they're sort of they're, they're proving us all right. That the people that have predicted that they've had a uh, been knocked out of the FA Cup at the first hurdle, which I've spoke to Mark about, and he he was disappointed with. So I'm sure he's delighted with how they've started the league and. Um, Braintree, I think, I think no points on the board still. Four 0 at home. I think we all predicted that they're going to struggle this year as well. Mm. So um, yeah, not not a surprise that result really. Yeah, they were out of the FA Cup in midweek as well in an Essex derby uh, to Malden and Tiptree. And uh, yeah, for Braintree, like, like you mentioned there, we we did predict them to struggle, and it it's looking tough for them. They're not they're not even scoring goals, are they? No, it's kind of a recipe for disaster, isn't it? And um, if you're not scoring and you're and you're shipping a lot of goals like that at home, it, it can be difficult. They've not had a, a good start at all, and you're, you're always up and sort of found myself in that position the last three years with Hungerford, and it, and it is difficult. So they've just got to keep plugging away, keep working hard, and hopefully they can turn their fortunes round. Talking of Hungerford, they're, they're in second place at the minute. Your old team, three wins out of three for them. They went out of the FA Cup early on as well. We wondered what was going to happen to them, but that man Ryan Seeger's proven a great signing for him. He scored the winner once again on Saturday as they beat the FA Trophy finalist Concord Rangers. Yeah, they've had a great start. Um, I did say a few weeks ago before the season started that I think they su- surprised a few people this year um, f- for them get- getting off to that start. Three wins, three wins from three. More importantly for them, I think they've had three clean sheets as well. So Danny Robinson's obviously got to set them up to be hard to beat. And um, Ryan Seager on the score sheet again. But yeah, they've started exceptionally well. And um, I'm sure they'll have a points target in mind for essentially to stay in the league first and foremost. And they're well on their way already to sort of achieving that target. Um, Kyle Tews, I think, got a, picked up a nasty injury as well, um, was concussed. And I think the game was sort of suspended for about 50-odd 50, 50 minutes. So it's important that, that he's OK and reports are that he'll, he'll recover fine. So, um, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a funny day at Hungerford, but they got the three points, which is what, what matters. Yeah, and two teams with contrasting fortunes so far in terms of their stats. And Maidstone and Hemel Hempstead. Maidstone scored three goals within five minutes, five first-half minutes from the 23rd minute down to the 28th. And he went on to complete a victory by four goals to one. And we said the the uh, the really underachieved last year made some, didn't he? But Hacken Hretton's got him off to a decent start so far. Yeah, two wins and a draw, and um, I think they're a full time outfit as well. So so yeah, they'll be pleased with that start, and and they should rightly so. They should be up there. Um, I think what you touched on there in the sense of conceding three in three in sort of five minutes. It's what we struggled with a little bit early on each year at Hungerford the last couple of years. When you've got a new group, new players that are new to the level, it's kind of you concede one and all of a sudden you can see two and three and where did that come from type thing. And um, I think that's, that's something that I'm sure that the two managers at Hemel will be will be working working on. And um, if you concede one, then obviously, essentially, you need to stay in the game for as long as you can to try and get yourself back in it. But three and five minutes after half an hour, then you, you, you're pretty much out of the game already. A team who were above, just above Mason in third are Oxford City. We heard from David Oldfield last week and he was very pragmatic and, and kind of understated in his approach. But they had a really good win, 4-0 against Tunbridge Angels, who are currently in 13th. So they're doing OK. But Oxford City, what a start for them. And two goals there for James Roberts. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, he's a new manager that's, that's, that's got the job this year at Oxford. And um, he started exceptionally well. Um, Justin Merritt, that, that I know... I know a little bit. He's. Uh, I spoke to him over the summer, and they had they had some players leave and some come in, like a lot of clubs, obviously. And Harvey Bradbury's on the score sheet again, who we had on loan at Hungerford. So it's good to see him scoring, and, and that's that's a wonderful result, really, because Steve McKim's done an excellent job at Tunbridge, and they are a hard team to beat. So um, four goals and a clean sheet at home. I'm sure David Oldfield was, is delighted with that and the start that they've had. Yeah, and the game of the day was down at Slough. It was a very, very, very strange day. 
Uh, the board was lifted to show five additional minutes at the end. Welling were four two up, but then they were forced to sell for a point with goals from Warren Harris and Max Walsfall, dragging them back from the brink in injury time. And I suppose from both ends of the scale, and if you're a manager and that happens when you're 4-2 down, it feels like a victory. And I suppose if you're in the opposite dugout, if you're Brad Quinton, it feels like a defeat. Yeah, definitely. It'd be a bit of pill to swallow for Brad Quinton. Uh, I'm sure before the day, they, they'd have probably taken a point at Slough. It's a tough place to go. Um, the two guys there, Bates and Enders, are doing, have been doing a wonderful job. But for them, I think, yeah, probably will feel like a win. Um, in the sense of in the sense of um, equalising with two after the 90th minute, but to score to concede four at home, I, I know they'll be bitterly disappointed with that, and um, I'm sure they'll work on that in the week. Um, but it is early days, and and the start they had last season wasn't great, and they turned it round quickly and finished in the playoffs. So they're four points from three games. It, it's sort of okay. So Albans, they pulled off a good result as well against Ebbsfleet and they they struggled last year, St Albans, but they've recruited well this summer and they're, they're into fifth place. And just below them, a Dartford who beat Bath by a goal to nil. So Dartford, we expect to be up there. St Albans, maybe less so. Yeah, I think, it, I, hope that, I hope St Albans do, do sort of get up there and in the playoffs come the end of the season. He, he's a very good manager, Ian Allenson. He knows what he's doing. And um, the, if you take last season out of the equation, they've always been there or thereabouts. And um, for him and for, for also the, the rest of football, I'd like them to be up there. And I'd like it to prove that a club that perhaps if they do have a bit of an indifferent season, they, then perhaps they should stick with their manager. So, yeah, it's good, it's good to see them starting well. Um, and against Ebbs Fleet, who are a full-time outfit and, and got, a, got a big budget, that's a good win for them. Mm. But, um, yeah, also Dartford, we thought it's a tough place to go. Bath have had a, 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 a one win from three, so I'm sure Jerry Gill's not going to be happy with that. But Dartford's a hard, hard place to go and, and a 1-0 win for them. They'll be delighted and, and it's an OK start for them as well. Yeah, Another team you know well, Chippenham under under Mike Harris. They've had a, a really good start to the season as well. They had a, a win against Ebbsfleet on penalties in the FA Cup in midweek. And they, they had a 2 0 win at Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday. Chris Sabrosky and Brad Ash, both experienced players, both know where the net is. They got the two goals. To, do, to win at Champion Hill. Yeah, they've two wins from three for Chippenham. I'm sure they're happy with that. And they, they've recruited quite well. They lost Dave Pratt in the week. He's gone to Supermarine. But um, they've got some firepower up there in Zabrowski and um, Brad, Ash, Brad Ash, along with Marlon Jackson as well. So um, they know what they're doing down there, the, the management team. They're very good managers and, and coaches there. And... Um, I think Chippen, they finished the season exceptionally well last season before lockdown. And I think they'll be looking to continue with that form. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, and the final game that we're going to look at is the only other draw. There was two draws, Slough v Welling, which we mentioned. And then a less eventful game between Eastbourne and Chelmsford, both probably going to be mid-table this year. Chris Weltdale, though, is on fire. He scored yet again, this time against his old club, Adam Morgan, tied it up after 38 minutes. But I think um, Eastbourne will sign Chris Weldale to stop the ball going in at the other end, but he's, uh, he's, he's turned into a bit of a goal machine, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a proper footballer, Chris Weldale. I think I mentioned him on the season, sort of um, when we previewed the season starting. And um, yeah, it, it, that was. I think he was a big blow for Chelmsford to lose him. I think he's originally a right winger, played right back a lot. But I think he can play anywhere on the pitch. He's that good a footballer and he's got great quality. I think he scored a couple of times against us when I was at Hungerford. So um, yeah, no, no surprise to see him doing well. And um, I'm sure both teams would have wanted three points there, really. And um, it's, it's been a bit of a tough start for Chelmsford, which, which some of us expected. But Eastbourne, one win and a draw from three games. I'm sure they're sort of a bit happier with how they've started. As a manager, do you look at the table now or do you wait till it's like 10 games in? Or do, do you look at it and go, actually, we, you know, the panic button can be pressed a little bit? 
You try and say no, don't you? I think it's important if you can get a good start and hit the ground running. It's massive because because sort of gives you that bit of breathing space. I mean, obviously, take Hungerford for example, nine points from three games when they're predicted to be relegated, and they're sort of they they've hit the ground running. And, and and they're they're not looking over their shoulders at the moment in the sense of could they go down? They're looking over the shoulders. Can they stay to the towards the top of the league? But no, I think it, it takes sort of a few months for it to to sort of settle down, pan itself out, and you'll see where what what sort of seasons teams will have, and uh, especially in this current climate as well. And it, it's it's been hard for every manager in the sense of how do they prepare for this season? I know Hungerford had sort of twenty five weeks or whatever they were training for pre-season so whereas other teams might have eased off a little bit not knowing when they're going to start so yeah it, I think I think after sort of 10 to 15 games then, then you'll see who's going to be where come towards the end Brill well Ian uh, nice one thanks for that as a quick roundup there of the National League South and uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you very soon no problem Luke thanks for having me again well that is it thank you very much for joining us once again this week my thanks once again to Rob Worrell, Chris Pratt, Dickie Wharton and Ian Herring for reviewing the results for us. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you all next week. 